What is up, babies? Welcome to another episode of Get Close. I am your co-host, Gio. And I'm Bart. And today we have a very special guest, my brother, a family member of mine. Um, I'm so stoked to have you here, Matt Vincent. If you don't know who Matt Vincent is, you've been like, you need to know who this dude is. I absolutely love your story because um, you were just like, okay, so you're, you started off, you're uh, from Louisiana. Um, you got a scholarship to LSU for what? Track and field. So went to it on a track and field scholarship to throw a shot put discus and hammer at LSU. So. Fucking stud. Okay. So then that slowly trickles and <laughs> yeah. translates to you now competing in what? So after that, I go through finishing college um, and then getting back into lifting a couple years after and uh, getting into strongman and then finding a local group that's doing that. So this is like 2007, 2008. So get into Strongman, find a group in Baton Rouge, and then that turns into, oh, there's a Highland Games to go do. So I go do one of those uh, immediately. How many people are there? And for the people that don't know, what is Highland Games? So Highland Games is uh, the Scottish Heavy Athletics is, I guess, what it's called. And so what they used it for was when the English took over Scotland. And they weren't allowed to train for battle anymore. What was this, like 1600s or even earlier? Or? I don't know. I don't know that much about it. Uh, <laughs> nice. Back when they were doing those things and taking over Scotland, like Braveheart-ish times. Okay. Nice. We'll use that as a reference. So Mel Gibson. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, yeah, after the dinosaurs, before Tesla. Got okay. it. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, so clans would meet up and have these gatherings. and they What would, kind of clan? What kind of clan are we talking uh, about? So like just different clans. Because there's different like, so clans, like, dude. In Scotland, that would clans. be like family. Okay, got it. Like McLaren or, or any of the, you know, the, whatever their crazy Scottish names okay, are. Okay, cool. Um, That's a good clan. And so they would challenge each other. And these were a handful of the athletic events. They also did like track and field events. They did um, all those type of things. So it's like Scottish breakdance battles. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love you. That's the best that's way what, to do it. That's what breakdancing was, right? It's for people that grew up in the hood. How can we battle without violence? I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll spin on my back. And that means I shot your mom. But then you come back and you spin on your head and you shot my dad. Oh, no, I'm so sad. It's like the whole beat it video. It's a yeah, very yeah, yeah. confusing video. Nice. Why don't they just stab each other's hands if, they're, if you have a knife? Exactly. <laughs> but this is more it. like my family is stronger than yours. I yeah. get it. I get it back in the day. And so because they couldn't train for battle, they would use farm equipment and essentially still train. So you had hammers that they would throw. They'd use stones they throw. They'd have the weights they throw. And the weights came from like uh, the counterbalances that you would use on scales for weighing out grain that you were going to sell. Mm -hmm. uh, and so got into that sport and uh, got good at it pretty quick with the throwing background and then being relatively strong. Competed in it for about 10 years. Woo! Uh, Won two world championships. Okay, who's the one that won the most? There's like, what's the most that anyone's ever won at this? From what I saw, it was only six. I think it's six. Dan McKim may be the guy. And the reason why I bring that up, because I, I want- Six is a lot. Six, six is, a lot. is a lot. But you're still, like, that. Like that's it, though. Like, you've won two of those. Yeah, I won two. That's amazing. And- I don't know the percentage I was the math. only guy to beat him out of out of his six. Wow. That's why I brought that up. I wanted you to flex. I, I Our <laughs> point here is I, to- 
because we our friends are super humble and they've achieved so much and you're just not flexing type of people so what we want to do is we want to flex all right for our friends so that's why i brought that up specifically are yeah. you considered the michael jordan of highland games i'm i'm not <laughs> I, I don't i don't know currently like if if you're on a wikipedia page bro do i you are you're on there. are you the scotty pippen of the highland Ooh, games? i go with that <laughs> More of a Muggsy Bogues, really, okay. if I'm picking. What a stud. I love that. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was fun. And, and so like, yeah, I had two days where I was able to get the best of him. But man, he was such a hard competitor to beat. Going in with a throwing background already, did you feel like you're going into a sport where you're like, wait, I know how to throw things the right way or right way. And these guys are throwing things the more... Like, leverage yeah like the more uh traditional way and it might not be so scientific mm. did you go like i have an edge on these guys you, you absolutely do yeah you have an edge on it because you already know how to accelerate implements and apply force and the technique of what makes that work from throwing with the college background right it's like having a 10-year head start um and all that works really well until you're in the pro class and then everyone knows how to throw because everyone has the same yeah, background everyone in the pro class are all washed up ex-throwers and it's, a, it's an interesting sport because really good throwers go to the Olympics. Mm. They don't go to this. That makes sense. <laughs> makes sense, right? Yeah. And so I get it. <laughs> everyone in the Highland Games is like a second tier thrower. And so it, it was so much fun of a sport. Like we got paid. There was prize money. I got to travel so cool. around the world. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, by far the coolest thing I've ever got to do that, that totally changed everything for me. Sick. Okay. So you do that. You win two times. Um, what makes you stop? Um, I, uh, ended up injury. Injury is what finally got me out. And it wasn't like a catastrophic failure. I had a knee start going South on me. Um, I finished my 2016 season. I tore a meniscus in May. That's your first, first, knee. first injury, first real injury. Yeah. Well, I, I don't have an ACL at this point. Like I just, I tore it in college. I got it fixed. And then I tore it again at a skate park, I see. uh, whenever I had the bicycle shop. Yeah. So it's not your first injury. no. Here. No, just, this is, I finally have something that has to be addressed. I see. And so the meniscus is, gets a tear. I fix that and then finish out that season with the intention of like, it will ride out the 2016 season and then have ACL surgery. I'll take off 2017 and 2018, be back at it. And, uh, didn't work out like that. <laughs> um, so finished 2016 and had an ACL surgery and then had, four more ACL surgeries and then a in a span of what how long uh three years was the total course of the surgeries and I had and I had a year in there that no surgeries happened was it like because it was botched up and you have to go back and redo them or it wasn't just healing properly? um why, why wasn't healing and so we were doing cadaver tissue I, since I had the ACL that I tore in college I had already fixed it once using a patella tendon and so you're only else. it's all oh, for me all oh, from you yeah so use your own okay ideally it's best like it, it's gonna hold it's gonna take in and so doing the patella tendon first uh your only other option is a hamstring graft well they that was my original hope for the surgery in college was the hamstring and it didn't work um not like it failed but they pulled it and there just wasn't any hamstring tendon Fuck. so like i have a big hole like in the back of my leg where they removed i want to see that yeah, does that crazy. compromise your hamstring at i'm all? sure it's not great like i can't quite get my foot to my butt um but i don't know now if that's because of the knee or because i don't have a thing that pulls further oh my god okay so we'll get there yeah okay so at this point you are like okay i'm kind of hanging it up for the highland games moving on into <sighs> another space well 
that didn't come until way later, like until after the chronic pain stuff really hammered in. And then like, I couldn't walk or do anything anymore. Like I very much realized that like, Oh, we're not rehabbing anymore. Well, like I'll never compete again. Oh shit. What did that feel like? It was really weird. It was really weird because man, I had gotten lucky enough as an athlete to find this hobby and find this thing that I loved. And not only that, like all my weird attributes and skills worked for it. I got to be best in the world at a thing two times. I'm not going to find a second thing. Like people don't have a second thing. They just move over. Unless they're Michael Jordan and now they fucking kill it in baseball. And you know, I, yeah, kill it in baseball. <laughs> That's what he's known as. The yeah. Babe Ruth of basketball. Yeah. <laughs> The Babe Ruth of the minor leagues. Yeah, and, uh, all right, he did all right. He did yeah, all right. Better baseball player than I am. I'm not trying to take anything away from Michael Jordan, but I know publicity when I see it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so like once realizing I wasn't going to compete, like it was a really strange thing. And then I realized that like it wasn't that I just couldn't compete. Like I wasn't athletic anymore. Mm, that just was your body was yeah, given out. Couldn't go up and down stairs. Like this right leg was just trashed. And uh, that was a really hard thing. I just, bet, because you're so capable. You get a scholarship because you're so fucking capable. Uh, you're, you, like you said, you won a world championship, not once, but twice. Yeah, I, I can well, imagine. Well, your identity how- changes too, right? It's almost like yeah. as if uh, Mariah Carey lost her vocal cords. Yeah. Right? I, and I, it's I, like, I'm not a singer. What am I? Right. right. So, so is this at the point when we meet you? Because when we met you, you were working, uh, you were doing sales for like a, a construction company, right? Yeah. I would have you met you guys early. Nine to five guy. Yeah. I was dabbling in other things, but I was competing. I was working uh, in the petrochemical industry. So oil and gas, doing outside sales, selling. I think refractory service was my last gig, which what is, is like, that? What the hell is that? <laughs> uh, so like big giant, you know what a kiln is? Yeah. So kilns have like a concrete mm-hmm. inside What's of a kiln? them. What's a kiln? It's just like an oven that you would put ceramics in. You never oh, made it, pots in, in no. like elementary school and you get to put a cool well, Elementary? Yeah, that put, sounds dangerous. No, Kids you, in fire? No, no, no. What you do is in <laughs> elementary, you get clay, right? You make a cool little vase or whatever. No, I didn't and then, have that. And you cover it in this like uh, paint. And then when you put it in the kiln, you know it's going to come out shiny. Yeah. I'm LAUSD, dude. No budget for that shit. Ghetto kid right here. So the bricks that would go in a kiln like as insulation or like chimney bricks or any of that, that's refractory brick. Mm -hmm. So they just don't absorb heat well. So they dissipate it so that the other stuff next to it doesn't melt. Um, So when you have big incinerators that are, say, 40 by 50, we have to spray on refractory on the inside of them so that is refractory we would install it and people don't know they need it so you got to go out well they know they need it they just needs repair oh Mm. so it just wears out over time from cycling different temperatures expansion contraction whatnot um so did that um yeah when i met you guys would have been at the arnold the first time yep like that must have been 2011 so now at this point 2011 really maybe yeah it's been a minute we knew him We've known him a minute. I know I've known Matt for a long time, but I didn't know yeah. it was that long. So at that point, is hate your brand, hate brand, you're wearing it all now, it's the steeziest shit ever. Um, I appreciate it. Is this, <laughs> I speak the truth, man. Um, is this now a thought in your head and you're like, I'm going to pursue this? Or are you still kind of like on the fence? Um, so by that point, I had, I had written the first book and the book was about training for the Highland Games. Stick with what you know, right? So I talked about the hate in there, and then hate became an apparel brand in October of 2014. 
is when it started. And uh, we've been doing that since. Uh, I got fired from the real job like in 2017 and just never decided to go back. <laughs> um, so when you got fired, were you like, cool, I'm going to lean into Because that's scary shit, Super right? Super scary. At this point, are you married or not yet? I am married. Yes, I'm married at that point. Um, and I kind of know the writings on the wall with job. But like I was thinking about talking to my dad about it. And like I'd wanted to quit because hate's doing well enough. But also me quitting. Because you're doing it simultaneously. Yeah. And I I'm, and I'm traveling hustling. to compete. Wow. And I'm traveling for outside sales. So like I'm all over. But me losing that job still reduces my income by 50%. Yeah. And that's like it's freedom. a fucking big deal. though. Opportunity. Yeah. That's a ton of extra how, cash. Uh, how, why did you get fired? Um, I would say I probably wasn't performing great. Uh, probably because your heart was already somewhere else. hundred percent. For sure. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. like, I can say some stuff about like, I don't believe they were supporting the area that they had hired me for. I'd had some other things to deal with, but at the end of the day, it just wasn't a fit anymore. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like whatever. Yeah. Um, and super scary, but then, yeah, just, just leaned in. Yeah. And I think that's the point that I really, uh, admire about you when like we met you, you were literally doing all of that. You were traveling, you were networking. Like you said, you were at the Arnold's, you were sponsoring and talking to different athletes. Um, and, and you were trying to balance all of it out. And I can see that you really wanted out of it because like you said, hate was doing well. Um, and that right there is the moment that a lot of people get freaked the fuck out because they're like the security and the stability. Like you said, you were making a good income. You had the flexibility. You were. Yeah, I was making almost 200 grand. You a had year. a company vehicle. Like yeah. it was really good. Um, but like, I, where were you like, fuck it? Like, what was that moment if you have that? So by that point too. So this is 2017. So I'm three years into hate. Like hate's working. It's not a mystery at that point. By that point, like we're already decent sales and I'm, I'm what's, paying what's myself. What's decent sales if you don't know? Um, 2017 was our first year to do like a million gross. Sick. Gross revenue. Wow. So Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. In and three so, years? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So it, it got there quick yeah. and then it's been a fight. What was the first year like? Um, so year one would have been October. So just October to January. Okay. We did like 14 thousand fourteen thousand okay yeah which and is still then, crazy yeah, I'm, yeah i'm selling things i'm making for, i don't give yeah, a shit this for is the brand coolest no thing i've heard yeah, of yeah seriously and it's not like you were where we were where we had the back end uh, we already had a fan base with you uh right. youtube jk films so that crossover for us wasn't as scary right because we had the platform but you were building that yeah like because that's I, fucking I, rad oh well, i'd done the book and i had an audience and I had a bit of following until so enough people were asking me for apparel. Sick. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to do that because I don't, I don't have time. Because I also know like, yo, I can't pack boxes. I'm not going to have time to do any of that. And then the customer service falls apart. This doesn't work. Yeah. And uh, luckily, like my partner uh, with it, it, Phil, who who runs my warehouse in Topeka, he was like, well, I could print them and ship them and handle everything on the backside. I'm like, that changes everything. Yeah. And so we were able to run it that way immediately like i've always had it outsourced and i've never looked back that's, that's sick. so sick um, so what happened uh, what did you gross the second year from 14 grand which is in a few months yeah so 14 grand so basically like, we'll year. call it the fourth quarter of the year yeah was was 15 grand the next year we did 112k damn yeah, for the year. And that's still simultaneously having a- Yes, I have a real job, job and I'm competing. Holy But you fuck. must have been stoked though. You're like, my Dude. hobby 
is making with some real it's money. Crazy. Yeah. 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 I remember at that point, like when it was, I remember that cause y'all I'm running it poorly by that point. Right. Like I'm still just operating out of that account. Like it's my money and doing whatever. Cause it's, it's a, it's not a real business yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like, I remember at that point being like, yo, this is more money than can be spent. <laughs> it's like, this is yeah. great. That's awesome. Uh, uh, and it isn't by any stretch. Right. And so, yeah, it was really cool seeing that. And then year three, we had a bigger pop. And so that was into 2016. We did like 750. Wow. So we went from like 100 up to 750. And then it's amazing. And then 2017 was our first year over a mill. God damn. Did you celebrate in any way internally or externally oh, yeah. or with family or anyone like just because I, like, I think for most people, I don't, myself included, whether you're working a full time job, or even getting into business of fir- like for the first time, I don't think crossing the seven figure mark is in your cards. No, you know? it's like, really hard. Like when I'm in college, if someone was was like, "Do you think you'll ever make a million dollars in a year?" Like rega- gross, I'd be like, "No, that's that's for that's for Bill Gates or some shit." You know, I'm like, "That's right. that's not me." Like I was trying to be a doctor, and I know that's a high paying job, and I thought I would probably cap out at two hundred or three hundred. At most, or yeah, right. So no, it's it, dude being able to find a million dollars is insane. Yeah. <laughs> like whether you're a company or an individual, yeah. I don't give a shit. Like what an incredible amount that you've been able to have gravity to have attract to you. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was really cool, man. Like the business started growing. It was just me and a business partner, Mike at that time, but he's a couple kids so and rad. all that type of stuff. And so as it became my real job, like I got more serious about it and, um, and making a million, you were like, you want to fire me? I don't really care. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, but we, I mean, we both know that doesn't translate to my income. True. <laughs> like, right, you know right, what right, I mean? It goes like, right back into yeah. the company. Yeah. Operating and, and costs, it be. overhead, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So at this point, great fucking traction with hate. You're like, okay, this is a fucking, I'm, I'm leaning in a hundred percent this direction. Yeah. This job just let me go. Couldn't be even better. Yes. It might be a little bit shaky. Um, you said you were still competing. Yeah. Uh, what? How many surgeries do you have at this point? So by this point, like like none. Oh, okay, cool. None. Like so, I've I I win twenty twelve uh, world championship. So I'd already won both world championships before I started selling a shirt. Now I finished second at any other world championship I went to up till twenty sixteen when I retired. Um, and so I'm still competing and traveling, and like I'm competing a lot. Like, That's a lot. So I compete like 22, 23 times a year. Oh, wow. shit. So for that 10 years. You're never not competing, dude. Is the math like every other week? Uh, so your season would be like first game of the year was typically in North Carolina in April. And then like last game of the season is the last weekend of September. Wow. So I'm putting in 23 games in a six month period. Holy shit. And now you can steal some of that by going to Scotland. Like, so I'd go to Scotland and be part of games week. And so I would compete in Scotland, like maybe 11 times in 15 days. Oh, shit. And so it's just a different sport. Like it doesn't beat your CNS up the same way like powerlifting does. Cause mm. I'm not doing any max effort stuff. Yeah. You're just throwing, throwing. And so you also get good at competing especially over in Scotland with that type of deal where like I'll throw far enough to win. Like I, if I don't have to give you a hundred percent today to get the paycheck and win, I'll throw 90. Yeah. Cause you got another 11 games you got to yep. worry about. Be smart. And like, yeah. you just treat them like training. 
And so you get really good at competing, which has been great because, you know, what that translates to the rest of life is like, man, I can perform when it counts. That's awesome. It's a cool confidence thing to walk away from, from that sport. Um, yeah. So we've continued there, finished competing and then have just leaned into the business stuff. It's been an ongoing problem solving journey of trying <laughs> to figure fucking life out. Yeah. Thank you to Mac Weldon for sponsoring this podcast. All right, you guys, we are in the thick of it. It is holiday season. It is here. And with it comes the yearly question of what do I wear to the non-ugly sweater parties? The adult parties. You know the ones I'm talking about where we have to look dope. Men, I'm specifically talking to you because Mac Weldon is going to make your life so easy, okay? So if you're asking yourself, how do I maximize my time savoring holiday moments and minimize my time shopping either for gifts or for clothes? All right, so fear not. Uh, Max Weldon is here to the rescue, okay? Whether it's an office party or just a party with family and friends or a holiday party of you, your couch, and a game on TV, Mac Weldon has all the essentials to keep you stylish and don't forget the most important thing, ladies and gentlemen, comfortable throughout the season. And their innovative daily wear system has taken the hard work out of outfit planning with pieces designed to work together for any occasion, saving you time and sparing you extra holiday stress. Okay, so we're talking about top-notch tops, best-selling bottoms, and underwear and accessories that will please even the scroogiest guys on your list um, or at your party. Okay, so again, Mac Weldon, your holiday heavy lifting will be complete within minutes. For everyone listening right now, you're going to receive 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com slash bail and enter code B-E-A-W, bail. That's MacWeldon.com slash bear. That's Mac, M-A-C-K, Weldon, W-E-L-D-O-N.com slash bail, B-E-A-W, and claim your 20% off, okay? Let's do it. Okay, kind of going back. Um, so, hate brand, uh, you said you retired in 2016, mm -hmm. and then the retiring came about because of? Yeah, because of the knee. Okay, so then at that point, because I remember you documenting, like you've had, you said nine surgeries. Yeah. Um, and I remember you documenting one of the last ones, and you're trying to walk, and you're just fucking devastated, because it's like, it's been like a failure after a failure after a failure. Um, at what point are you like, you know what? And what happened that you're like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Like, I'm not going to listen to essentially not listen to what doctors are telling me in terms of like, they were telling you you're not going to be able to train again, walk again. Yeah. But like that stuff's so standard. And now that I've had enough surgeries, I almost think of it as just like, it's almost from their standpoint, I think we're just such a litigious society that as a surgeon, as a doctor, it's just easier to be like, you're not going to be able to squat again. And then they just remove all expectations of that. So if you ever get to 135 again, you're like, prove them wrong. Like, it's just easier than to say you won't. Yeah. I think just legally. Yeah. Instead of disappointing people. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people take that to heart and maybe. they stop. Yeah. 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 I, I Sure. I, I don't know. There's also there not, an, ever. not enough of, I think, cross-training and studies where, like, you know, there's medicine and then there's sports. And I think we finally are coming across more sports medicine and actually doctors who lift 
who have re rehabilitated. And then now I think in these elite sports circles, they'll have the physician, the PT, the person that works on mobility, and they can all kind of come to a conclusion together and give you a very well-informed conclusion. Whereas before, the doctor is literally, he's like one slice of the pie, but he has yeah. to draw conclusions for the whole thing. Right. So it's just and easier it to say, you're never going to walk, or you're never going to squat right. again or something like that. Well, and if he's doing total knee replacement on someone who's gen pop and not an athlete, an athlete yeah. like, you know, I don't need you to give me PT. Like, I don't need you to count my reps and sets. Like, I'm not driving here for physical therapy, no matter how important you're telling me it is, because this no, is an more. elective surgery. I wanted to have surgery, so my knee gets better. Why wouldn't I do the work on the backside of it? That seems really stupid to me. Yeah. And so I did, and it just kept going bad. Uh, I would go in after three months of rehab and get it checked and like, oh, the ACL graph isn't there anymore. Oh. So it's like straight back in. Like, like I remember just, like waking. not sticking or something. It just, my body would just eat it. Oh, what? So it was just cadaver tissue. And so my body would just it's dissolve just it. dissolve yeah. it. What the fuck? Yeah. And so like, I remember waking up from, so I had an ACL surgery and then I had, I had this piece of floating something or other next to my knee. It's crazy what you get used to. And like, if my knee, tolerate? Dude, my knee would get weird and I could find this floating piece and I could push it out of the way and then my knee wouldn't hurt anymore. It was like driving an old vehicle. Like you're like, you're like ah, she's finicky. Like yeah. you, you get pumped gas twice before you try to start like her. Don't just, like, yeah, yeah, there we go. There, there we go. <laughs> Blowing in the cartridge of my knee essentially oh is like an old God. Nintendo. <laughs> and uh, so I go in and get that thing pulled out. And like, as I'm waking up from surgery, Ashley, my, uh, my wife at the time tells me, she's like, so the ACL is not there anymore. Oh, fuck. And like, oh man, I just broke. Cause that was like number three. Okay. So it was like, fuck another eight. So I'm back in 10 days after that surgery. Oh my God. Surgery. Getting good at going in for surgery is a really weird thing. Yes. What's the surgery process like? Cause you got to go through anesthesia. Oh, so like going in. Oh, like, like how did, how, how it all plays out that day. And it, it's just, yeah. Like how does it play out? Cause I'm, for me, I've, I've witnessed people go through surgeries and from my understanding, it's a chunk of your life that you just have to hit pause on for it could be, I don't know, a couple of days to like a whole week. And I then think it depends on what your life is, right? Like, like that's part of the deal with kind of our things, right? Like you can't just stop. Yeah. Like I can't take a break from hate for eight weeks. Yeah. That ain't how this works. Yeah. And so yeah, I managed to keep all that together during, during that, that thing, you know, control what you can, right? Like, yeah, oh, I can't let that fall too. Yeah. Cause then what? Yeah. And so, you know, fight. And not only that, the, the fear of, you know, why would anyone give a shit what I'm doing as a non-athlete? I'm not competing anymore. Why would fucking anyone care what Again, I'm Again, that's to? your identity, right? Yeah. And so like, you know, the, the longer I've gotten away from the identity part of it, the more I realize now, like what having this physical body that I was, you know, gifted essentially, uh, like what a change that that built for me growing up, like where my confidence came from, like where my ability came from, all those things that I count on came from the physical side. Yeah. And I think about people that don't have that and like how fortunate I was, even though this is crumbled a bit or whatever, um, that I have this machine to operate in. Did you ever, did it ever cross your mind that it might just be easier just to cut it off? Dude, 
So that was the, nine surgeries. Is it's, a lot. That, it's a really shitty thing to say, but I, w- I had gotten to a point where I was really desperate with surgeries and really depressed. After how many was that? At that phase? eight. Oh, fuck. Yeah. After, after eight. That's and like, I just fair. don't have answers, man. Yeah. Like, eight. That's fair. And dude. not only that, like my last two are the high tibial osteotomy and this oats procedure. And like both of those were eight weeks, no toe touch pressure. So like, just imagine operate your life, but you can't ever put one of your legs on the ground. Wow. And so you're on crutches. So how do you get food from your microwave to anywhere? How do you cook? How do you get your glass of water across the room? You know, like when you have, when you're in such a, um, like, uh, I guess, a vulnerable handicapped state where you're almost worse than you were when you were a baby, Right. Do you're you, kind of a burden now to yeah, others. You're a burden to others and yourself. And yourself. Do you, the, the, did it ever cross your mind to go like, fuck, why did I ever do this? Like, why did do you ever regret the success? Like, does the success now come back to haunt you at all? That never, that never popped up. Like, because at the end of the day, you know, I got to travel around the world with some of my favorite people ever. I don't know you guys without it. I don't know my best friends without it. I don't have the business. I don't have... Any of the things that are going well, like, fuck, I'd give a leg tomorrow for it. I made the right move. It was well worth a leg. I know people with shitty knees who didn't do anything. That's very true. <laughs> so, like, That's very true. That's a dope perspective. You know, we're, we're, the sport was going to end, right? Like, that, No one gets to do it forever. Yeah. Right. And so my time and, and also hindsight is I wasn't going to leave healthy. Like, that's not how that story was going to play out. And you like, knew this. I know well that aware. about me. And so- here we are. But had that not happened, I perhaps I'm still competing, which means my business isn't doing as well. I have a ton of stuff that isn't where it is right now, opportunity wise, because I would have still stayed competing. And you would probably try to find another another job to supplement your lifestyle. Oh, going back, you asked you asked about surgery. I do wanna I do wanna tell about that. Like so going in and getting good at it. Yeah. So I'm driving to New Orleans from Baton Rouge, so it's an hour commute to the hospital or surgery. Yeah, to the hospital. Um I get there usually at like four. So by this point, I'm damn sure first in line for the day. And you probably fasted for 12 hours, right? Because they don't like you eating of before course. surgery. Yeah, that, that was like, never nah, something I thought you're of. You're back, dude. That's huge for me. I need to eat. Really? <laughs> yeah, I need to eat. That's funny, <laughs> I man. love eating. Uh, so yeah, I'd go in at four and then like check in. And then usually by six, they've got me to a room. Jesus Christ. And then like- I bet I don't get pulled out of the room to get pulled back for surgery until 11 or noon. Um, so you just sit there in your ho- the hospital room with some lady who comes in to shave your leg. Uh, I'm in a crappy hospital gown in bed. No underwear. No. Completely open, um, ass hanging out. What I did figure out was by surgery three. So you when can they masturbate one last time, <laughs> one last time, that's it. <laughs> just knock out a couple knuckle yeah, children like, and move on with my life. <laughs> <laughs> knuckle children. I love it. <laughs> uh, so I realized like once they take me back and they're talking to me and they're like, how are things and all this? You know, how do you feel? Are you nervous or anything like that? And they typically will hit me with uh, Versed, which is Valium. So it's injectable Valium. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it just chills you the fuck Dude, it's, out. Nothing of. matters. Everything's Be, great. And it's because at this point, your whole body's achy, right? Yeah, You've just and been I mean, dealing with a bunch of and shit. And it's standard. Like, I'm going in for surgery. By this point, I'm just like, yeah, I just want this to work. Like, now it's all I can think about, too, is like three months of rehab. 
I know what tomorrow looks like. Tomorrow is I'm in a straight leg brace and I'm on the assault bike using just my arms to keep blood moving, to keep healing going and all those type of things. And so what I got good at was as soon as they got me to my room and they're like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm anxious. So they would hit me with Versed. Then, so I'm like sick. Four <laughs> hours with Versed before you guys pull me back. Nice. Like I'm looking forward to it. Like I'd put a playlist together on my phone and Just bring headphones out. and be like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, make a, make lemons, make lemonade wherever you can, I suppose. And then yeah. get out of surgery, go home. Uh, it's really weird. I tried, I did. I did a uh, epidural one time. You can't drive home, right? No, no. So Ashley would typically drive me home. So I did. someone needs to drive you and, and then someone picks you back up. And yeah. So she would hang out. Ugh, uh, I know. That's rough. All of that crushes me. Yeah. It, it sucks I when you have to. hate being a burden. Yeah, me too. I hate it when I, like when I got my eye surgery, did you drive me home that day or I drove myself? No, I drove you. Okay. I picked you up. Because all my other checkups and appointments where they have to do stuff, like they, they use this laser to blast holes in your iris, I still just drove home because I don't want to be a burden to her. Dude, I hate it. So I would put on these special uh, like sunglasses, and because they just blasted holes through my iris, everything would be hazy. And I'm like, I, this can't be worse than my grandpa driving. So I'm just like. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just figuring it out. I'll just stay in the slow lane. <laughs> Dude, with, with that feeling of like being a burden, I right? being a burden, yeah. Do So there's part of me that doesn't want to be a burden. But then there's also the other side of me that's aware the reason I feel this way is I, I don't want to be involved in your shit either. And so, like, if I don't <laughs> ask you for help, you're not allowed to fucking ask me for help. Yeah interesting right so there's part of it like yeah i don't want to go pick you up fucking uber yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's like i will not call my friends to help me move yeah, i'm not that guy for you yeah yeah i get it i don't want to help my, my threshold is different though for me unless i'm apt like because the day of my eye surgery I, I just you know i'm like i'm put under like there's so many things i just can't legally even yep. drive so of course i need her anything above that line i'm driving <laughs> But for her, if she has anything like that, I don't mind. Totally different. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Totally different. And I don't mean that for like my partner. I mean that for like friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be like one of my buddies. Noted, being Matt. Like, we're not going to ask you for like, fucking help, dude. Like, hey, man, we're moving. And like, I'll help. But I'm coming to move the five really heavy things that you need moved. Yeah, yeah. I ain't loading your bag of pillows into the fucking If my van. friends ask me to move, <laughs> I'm paying for a moving company <laughs> so we can both like drink, Chill out. drink beers and watch them do it. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Free movers. Just call Bart for Just help. call me. I'll call Perfect. the movers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then at this point, um, I want to get into the mindset of all of this, right? Because sure. obviously you're getting fucking wrecked. You're getting crushed. You're thinking you're the burden. Like just you talking about it now and reliving that you feel like you just feel heavy again. Yeah. Sucks, how, dude. What did that feel like? And how did you overcome that? <sighs> just overcoming feeling like a burden um like how losing did, your how identity did, yeah how oh. did all that like what did you go through like let's go into the the depths if you don't mind of that darkness and then finding ways to get yourself out of that yeah like um so losing your identity i think is huge then trying to repair your identity but having eight failures yeah i think is it goes down even more and then also you must have been in a state of depression where you must have been like i don't know where to go from here for sure so, so there's, there's that, there's those three factors. And then there's the real factor of chronic pain that I'm dealing with too. Fuck. And the chronic pain thing, man, like to describe it, like where I, while I've never felt with any like 
depression in my life prior to this. And it wasn't really until after that I'm able to realize what I'm doing, what I have going on. I get you. Um, but man, the chronic pain thing, it's like my pain level was always between a two and an eight. So it's never less than that. Not if I'm laying still flat, it's never not a two. What do you consider a, what do you consider a toothache? What level of pain is that? So I can kind of understand. Uh, I mean, it depends on how bad the toothache is, but I don't know, one. A one? Yeah. Like when you oh, stub shit. your toe in the middle of the night on the couch, what is that? But that's such an acute pain. Oh, right? I see. Like, so acute pain is a really different thing. Versus chronic. The chronic pain thing is a, it's a two, but it never fucking goes away. It's essentially like trying to manage your day and, and Taika 100% tugging at you saying, hey, 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 Oh my hey. God. But even if you stop to address him, he just doesn't stop. Yeah. Oh, shit. And so like you can go and hang out with friends. But there's still the hey, hey, hey. And it can be loud enough you don't notice it. Mm. But as soon as you're by yourself, you're there. And it must affect your sleep too. Dude, sleep's bad. I'm, I'm also sleeping a bunch of nights in a straight leg brace. Like, oh. And, and then throw in, you know, A, you know, marriage. And yeah. so during that stretch of time too, we were we were trying to have a kid. So- 18 months of trying to have a kid while I'm trying to do surgeries while it's just running too much. a new business. It's Being just too much. <laughs> it's just too much, you know, and, uh, the marriage lost and it was a real bummer. Um, but we had, we had to go forward, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and was that due to all of these things happening or is it because you guys just changed as people? Both. Oh shit. Both. And I think this was a big part of that change for me, uh, was, it all started really the big change for me started whenever my, my dad had passed away in, uh, 2014. So that happens in April. So my dad dies the day before my birthday. Oh my, oh God, my God, dude. In April. Uh, so he dies at 62 from pancreatic cancer. I turn 31 the next day. And all I can think about is like halfway. You're fucking halfway there. Half of your life's gone. Holy and so like, shit. man, that translates to me that that translates to 1612 weeks. That's it. That's all of it. You know, and maybe the cards are stacked in my favor to be a little bit older than 62 when I go, but that ain't guaranteed. And I'll live accordingly. And so. So that moment right so there. That was shifted a, a bunch. That shifted a bunch of like, if that's true and I do have this amount of time left, that means all my dreams, everything I want to experience, everything I can ever think of has to happen in the next 1612 weeks. God damn. Or it doesn't. That's it. And so get busy. So try to shift into that. And then, you know, that's 2014. So then I start the apparel company and things are building momentum. And then there's this. And so it's fight. Still feel the same way about my life and then trying to figure it out. And so at this point, dude, I am doing everything everything I can figure out to mitigate the chronic pain. So I've switched my diet. I'm down 60 pounds. I've done carnivore for eight months because it's anti-inflammatory. I've done keto for a really long time. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying peptides I'm growth hormone. Uh, you know, if it's a possibility to help, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Two to eight, uh, pain, chronic pain. And, I and, get it. And so when it was bad, and what would cause it to go bad was like, oh, maybe I walked too far that day, like 200 <sighs> yards total. Wow. Not like at once. Yeah. And like, I mean, I can't step upstairs. I can't. And uh, 
when it was really bad and really inflamed, like I would get a shooting pain that I would say is like a nine out of 10 because it could be worse. I could be on fire. Right. So it's not a 10. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know that 10 exists and I don't know if zero exists, but so that's where I am. I'd get this like stabbing pain on the medial side of my knee uh, every time I exhale. Oh and no. When it hits, are you like stumbling to look for pills? Or are you like, you're like, I gotta take something to make this I, go I, away. I switched to cannabis. Like, so I, I just, and that opiates, helped. dude, it helped me a ton. So opiates work. They make the pain go away, but I can't do anything else. Oh, <laughs> you're fucking just part of the couch. Yeah. And I mean, look, <laughs> time and a place. Like if I, if pain for me gets to an eight or a nine, that that's what we're doing. But if it's a two, I don't need a Percocet. I need another option. And so cannabis helped me a ton with that, that. That was a really big game changer for me of figuring out how to mitigate with that. Um, you know, so you don't feel the pain anymore and you're able to function? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So to an extent, you know, um, it, it, and it definitely kept me happier. I know I'm more depressed the more that I take Vicodin opiates. Uh, so pot didn't make me that way. I just got fatter. Uh, <laughs> the munchies, the munchies yeah. hit real so, good. Yeah, one thing at a time. <laughs> and so, like, uh, were you still training when you were going through all this pain and stuff? Like, were you just hitting upper body or anything like that? Much as you can. And is that just uh, part of the habit or the discipline that you had, or is it you're just a meathead? Or you control what you can control, right? Like when things are chaotic, like I can't let the shit that I'm that's working slip too. Yeah. Because well, then what? Yeah, that's you a know? good mindset to have. Because there's like a lot of NBA players. The minute they're injured, they gain 30 pounds. Yeah. Just, I'm not doing shit. Well, and, and I gained weight. Yeah. You're just not doing as much. But yeah. man, I did everything I could to stay active. Like spent a lot of time on the assault bike with a leg and a straight leg brace, just sitting on the front peg. And just using arms. Because you can arm. Yeah. So it's it's the greatest recovery tool that's ever been made. Is that is that awful bike? <laughs> it is awful, um, but it's so awesome. <laughs> man, and yeah, so the mindset shift. So like I... I you know, got hooked up with some other friends that were leaning into psychedelics. And I went that route and found a ton of benefit. And this um, is through 24, this is 2014 or is it throughout the years? So this has started, psychedelics probably started in 2017, 2018. Okay. So kind of moving back a little bit, we're still 2014. Uh, the, you're on what surgery number at that point? By 2018? Yeah. Uh, no, 14. 2014. So Because this is right where you were oh, like- 2014, there's no surgeries yet. So oh, first first okay. surgery starts the end of 2016. So got dad it. dies. Okay. Um, got it. Got and it. And then, yeah, so we've continued on. Got it. Okay. Um, so then you're dealing with that. Um, now, possibly having a kid. Trying for 18 months and not Fuck. successfully doing it. And then- Man, and so at this point, is the is the relationship already kind of rocky? It's rough. Because oh fuck, it's rough. And like, man, I I I fucking overlooked some big stuff in that relationship, and I and I see it now, and especially on the back end. And I've you know had a fortunate enough time that I still have a relationship with Ashley that I can express. Yeah, I fucked up. I'm super sorry. That's awesome. Do you mind sharing what yeah, some of those um, things were? So when I went down to Costa Rica for ayahuasca. Uh, the first time really expecting nice. this big transformative thing. Like I've never had more expectation of a big experience coming. What were, what, you, were people, what were you going there in search of that? Just, just a transformation. Just, I just want to know, like I, I've seen nothing but good stuff happen to smart people. I know for, for trying this. 
So you're doing that just for the sake of that, not because there's a void or perspective change you're searching for in your own personal life. Well, and like, I want to be better. So I want to be more aware of my shit. I don't. Yeah. Where did you feel like you were lacking though? Like, where did you feel that there was like a short, is it because of this relationship that ended that you're like, oh shit, I got to seek out more shit. Um, And so I'd started with psychedelics before that, just because I wanted the mindset shift. I'd also become friends with some friends, some people who were using more and were smart. And so seeing that operate like in the real world was really fascinating. And I was like, okay, I'm interested. So for example, for me, right? I guess this is what, this is what at least I'm trying to find. So for me, when I wanted to um, have my mind shift, I haven't done ayahuasca and I definitely want to try it. Um, But for me, it was like, I just want deeper connections with people. Mm -hmm. So that was like my driving force for you. It's like, I just want to untap some shit that I don't know about. Yes. Oh, shit. It was untap some stuff I don't know about. And also, like, find more drive, find more intention, find find more way to sort out my ADD or, you know, lean into it. I get it. Because your dad passed. Now you have, like, this finite amount of Fucking time. TikTok. Got it. So you're like, I need to speed this shit up. Hit the super. Yeah. Hit I need the, to hit Tim the gas, Ferriss man. this bitch. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> right. And so um, during that, like, so I get two nights where nothing happens. How many nights do you get to take four. it? Four. Okay. So four nights that were there. The first two nights, I get nothing. The whole experience too, like you're, there's a bucket where you need to throw yeah. up into, right? Yeah. So you, you purge. Uh, not everyone. That doesn't sound very fun. You know, it's it's not, right? Like the, and I understand that apprehension that people have, but man. Is it immediate? Like you drink the tea and you're like, like nah, immediately? You, you go lay down and it, some people get nauseous and some don't. Did you get nauseous? I did uh, the third night. Yeah. I finally purged. And, and, Why do they call it a purge? Because that's yeah. what it feels like. Like, like because you're in it and in the medicine. Yeah. Like, dude, you feel like you are getting rid of your garbage. I think oh. I've felt that before. So when we were going through our relationship shit, it was so awful that we were like, okay, we need to connect on some other level. And how can we do this? So at this point he has done in high school, he did so much fucking ecstasy <laughs> that he was like, well, this is the only time animal. I know how to connect with people heart to heart, completely vulnerable. I know how to like have these deeper relationships and connections through that vehicle. So we're like, and Fuck it's it. a good one. <laughs> we, I had no idea. Okay. So at this point I'm fucking desperate and I'm like, all right, let's do whatever. So we both take it. Um, Are y'all married at this point or not? Yes, okay. very married. Very married. Barbell's established. Right JK's on. established. We're like, what, six years into our relationship? Okay. Um, and yeah, we were just talking through, you know, everything that we had gone through, things that we didn't even know we were sweeping under the rug or, unco- or, or like covering up or like we started really like fighting for the other person in our own mind. And as that was happening and things were getting uncovered, it like, I just wanted to throw it all up. And I felt like I was throwing up all the bad shit. So I can completely relate with what you're saying. I mean, and and plenty of places are now using MDMA therapy with couples. Like it's MDMA, you know, forgive me for getting stuff wrong here, but uh, I mean, your MDMA is treated like a, I guess it's not one of the classic psychedelics. So LSD, acid, mushrooms. Yeah, you're not saying things, shit. Right? No, but there is something. There is an altered state and there is a heart opening that comes with it. Yeah, there's an extreme rush of empathy. And I think that really helped us out because when we were going through our dark times in our relationship, like they're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And once that person, your significant other becomes a bad guy in their mind, 
every other thing that happens in life instead of being on their side or like questioning things like why are you doing yeah. that like that okay. of course well, that's what happens that. when resentment shows up exactly and but resentment's then, really hard to undo yeah and but with the with, when we were doing our our ecstasy stuff there's an extreme amount of empathy to the point where you can almost get that person's back in your own mind and then now i'm producing the answers i'm like you know when you did this it wasn't because of this, huh? It was because of this. I was like, yes. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Finally. It was really awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's, it was something that triggered a ton for me with uh, with Aya. Like, so the, the third night, like one of the things I, I, I envision. Um, and I mean, it's, it's it, I didn't get any like big visuals like I had taken mushrooms. I got, it was all internal. And so uh, one so of the things is, yeah, like I see myself laying on a bed, on the bed at my house. Uh, back in Louisiana and my knees done up post-surgery and I'm miserable and I'm laying there and I'm bummed. And I remember just thinking like, why don't you fucking work? Like, like all the people out there that, that they're going to have good knees and don't fucking need them. Like mine, like mine, I'll use mine. Yeah. And I have all that bitterness and that anger about it. Right. And I'm looking at it and I'm being mad that my fucking body doesn't work. It doesn't do the thing it's supposed to do. And like, as I, I turned or something happened and I looked back at the bed and it's Ashley. And I never during that stretch of time put together that like her not being able to get pregnant was the same thing I have with my leg. Yeah. Wow. And like, man, I just fucking missed it. I just missed it that she also feels broken. Yeah. And like, fuck, that was rough. And you were so focused on your own thing that you're, your blinders are just on, buried. So, so you don't even know what she was going no, through. No, just buried. And, uh, it was a good realization. So yeah. had, the empathy thing is, A, I needed it because it's not a strong suit that I came naturally equipped with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but man, that's been a huge one. And not only just huge empathy for the people in my life, but you know, having empathy for me has been has been really an interesting What's one. that like? Give us that give us that rundown. <sighs> yeah, that was fucking hard. Like that that period of life is really, really hard. I don't want to underplay it. I don't want to pretend that it wasn't hard. I don't want to pretend that it wasn't rough or hard on her or hard on me or shaping or any of those things. And so, you know, being able to forgive myself for some shit decisions I made or any of these other type of things with just like, dude, you weren't okay. Yeah, but you, you just weren't, weren't aware. Okay. No, you just can't see it. Yeah. That you know, that the actions you're taking are completely out of character because you just don't know what to fucking do. And so you're just looking for solace somewhere. And, um, yeah. Was there at any point though, where you were like, fuck, I'm just going to throw in the towel. Like, I just want to end it all. Like, I, never, I don't want to be here. I never, ever got suicidal. Like, I don't remember having any blatant suicidal thoughts. I, one thing you said earlier about like the leg, I had that discussion with my surgeon. When I went in before total oh, knee replacement shit. at thirty, at like a thirty-six, like they don't want to do total knee replacement. You're thirty-six. You're too young. And I basically was like, "Yo, I, I need something." Yeah. But otherwise, I got to get rid of the leg. Yeah. Because I, I can't continue like this. I know. I know that. I know that. Like I, I never had suicidal thoughts, but I knew that I couldn't run out the clock feeling how I felt. That at some point it would have got the best of me and I'd have punched out. Yeah. Um, and man, I fucking get it. I get it with the chronic pain because there's just time with it that like 
I, I can remember having moments and sitting there and just being like, I fucking need 10 minutes where this doesn't hurt. Oh, man. I just need 10 fucking minutes and I can sort it out and I can catch my breath and I can be back in it. Wow. And you just can't find room. That's fucking God crazy. Damn. And so like the only time that the chronic pain wasn't an issue was either in the hot tub or in the cold tub. God damn. That's it. Those were the only time I could get it quiet. And I think just part of that is sensory or overload. Or children, probably. That one. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or jerking off. Three but options, yeah. How many times can I do that a day? Seven, eight at most? God damn. <laughs> damn, young buck. You just buy one of those machines that gets them out of you. Just yeah, a milker. The Japanese yeah. ones. <laughs> damn, damn, that's rough. Yeah, so it was... So yeah. like most people could be like, all right, well, I'm just going to give up on all these other things. I'm going to try to focus on this one thing. Um, maybe I can get government assistance. Maybe I can just kind of like let all this other shit go and just focus on this one thing. But you were still running a whole bunch of other shit. How? Distraction. Mm. I need it too. Damn. You know what I mean? At least those things weren't requiring me to physically do. Look, it got really old making fucking rehab content. <laughs> Who the fuck wants to see me rehab again for the ninth time in three years? Like, ugh, sorry. <laughs> I, I personally really loved your rehab content. Okay. Because I think what I liked about it more from the actual know-how and application, I can sense your spirit of climbing a mountain. You know what I mean? Like when I when I would watch your content, it wasn't like I mean my knees work perfectly fine. Don't be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you shitbag. But, but it wasn't like okay, so I I can use that apply it to my life. But seeing someone that has had so much adversity, and I would see you try to box squat. It's or inspiring. Like, oh, cool! As fuck. I can squat. I could squat one thirty five, slightly above parallel right now. Seeing that was extremely inspiring. Yep. Seeing someone slowly climb the mountain back up. And just seeing what you do, getting back on the bike, pumping blood through it. It was it was awesome. I loved it. It was just like this seeing like what you would see from a inspirational Nike commercial or movie yeah. or whatever, but happening in real life, in real time. I appreciate it, man. And and that was the intent that I wanted to show. That I wanted to show that, like, yo, I still show up. Yeah. I love it. You know, that, it. That, that what are we gonna do? Stop? What the fuck does that accomplish? Well, I love that you were vulnerable enough to open that up. And not have ego. and be, I mean, because you're a fucking world champion, dude. This is so vulnerable for you to not feel capable or strong. And then to show that to the public, a lot of people don't want. That's an ugly side. Yo, it, that's an embarrassing side for some people. And it's crazy that it still rears its head. Like it, it, it hasn't been until the last probably six or eight weeks that since 2016, I have not followed a consistent training program. Since then, I'll just go to the gym and do whatever I want. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. I'm not yeah. training for anything uh, other than when I did the run. And then I just ran. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I want to talk about that too. God right. damn, your story is so fucking um, interesting. And so like now being back on a consistent training program, like I could feel my ego about it too, because you know my back's jacked up, my hips jacked up. And so like, you know, I have deadlifts or something tomorrow or, or whatever day it is. And like, I'm pulling from blocks with like 155. Oh shit! And you know that's Stronger not cool to show Vincent? people, Fuck but you're yeah. still doing it. It's not Just cool kidding. to show people, but at yeah. the end of the day, like you know, here's where I am. This is real. 
And I think that's what's really motivating. Yeah. And so today, if I got it, I'll lift heavier. If I don't, I'll do the bar. That's fucking, that's big dick energy, dude. Yeah. Look, still man, doing it. It's, it's moving a pile of dirt. It's my favorite way I've heard it described that life and, and like how you're trying to make progress. John Wellborn says it. It's a moving a pile of dirt. Some days you got a backhoe and other days you got a spoon. You should keep moving dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Or what some people say, one foot in front of the other. That's it. Chip away at it. Well, like, and I got that honestly from you guys like so the first time i came out and we filmed and talked about everything uh years ago um i mean you guys even saying that like we don't know how to open a brick and mortar gym so we bought a book for how to open brick and mortar for dummies i started salivating dude it's just close it's just spit on it it's yeah. too familiar taking <laughs> a bar i don't know Weird shaped dick bar. Um, it's girthy, dude. Yeah. Keeps a dead cat on the end of it just for <laughs> wind. For wind. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, it. <laughs> but yeah, like so like, oh shit, what were we talking about? Uh, that we were going like, we don't know what the yeah. fuck we're doing. We got to yeah. fucking. And so like, even hearing you guys say that, it was like, so we'll just take the next step until we run into one we can't figure out. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> and it's easy when you start breaking stuff down that way of like, well, there's a next step. So we'll just deal with that one. And I mean, yeah, I treated rehab with that approach. I treat everything that way of like, there's, let's just figure out just move. what tomorrow does. Yep. You know, and you know, that, that fallacy, I think a lot of people fall into of the like, well, we'll get there once we're there yep. or I do this, this will change. Yep. That ain't how it works. Yeah. It all changes in the journey. Yeah. So if you don't like the journey, getting there ain't going to do shit for you. Yep. What about after the ayahuasca trip? Like, and you had your revelation. Like, what were your next steps or actions that you felt like you needed to take? And how did that? So, so that's integration, and that that's a big part of using the plant medicine and stuff like that. Like, yo, it's not going to change you. Like, if you take that and have this big awakening experience and have a bunch of stuff, like, it kind of gives you a fresh start to start inlaying new habits and patterns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you fall into your shit, it'll happily let you have it. Like you'll, you'll just go back to building your patterns again. They just like that intrinsic reward system for weird patterns and habits that you have, whether emotional or any of that, uh, just seem to be clear. And so I could start fresh on a lot of stuff. And it's like, yo, if I don't want to approach with that immediate negative mindset, like I knew for a long time, I'm a guy that if a thing popped up as a stress, it was panic, fuck, <laughs> freak out. And then I could come around. And that window has continued to get shorter. Sick. Right? That like, yeah, this is a wasted amount of energy. We know we're going to get here. Let's just stop the freak out. And, and you got that through ayahuasca. Being able to implement like, what is the freak out about? The freak out is an anxiety about a thing that has not happened. Yeah. Stop. Oh, what I was asking about is when you realized the whole knee thing and you drew the parallel with what Ashley was going oh. through about the baby, like- um, when you went home, what was that conversation? Well, like? so by that point, like, uh, Bonnie and I are together. I'm divorced. Like I've been divorced for a year. Oh, so it by was the time a, I did ayahuasca. So it was a revelation that yeah. helped like untie some knots that were like three yeah, years ago. Just like, as I soon see. as I got a chance to see her in person, I was like, yo, I have to explain this to you. I Aww. see. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, man, I am so fucking sorry. I missed that. Yeah. Ugh. And when she heard that, was she like, yeah, that's yeah. what I felt. <gasps> and she, and she's like, yeah, thank And she's like, thank you. 
Because she doesn't have the words for a lot of it either. Right. Yeah. Most people don't. Right. You don't realize what you're too close. Yeah. And so you have more feelings than you have words that, you know. Yeah. So that, that empathy went a long way of like, okay. And that, and that's helped a ton just across the board with anyone I deal with or anything in any stressful situations, being able to own how my interaction with the situation goes completely. And then have empathy for like, you know, I don't know what's shaping your decisions. I don't know what your last six weeks have looked like. I don't know how you were as a kid. Yeah. And so like I can control what I can control and I don't take the rest of it personal. Did this come after you started experimenting with like psychedelics yeah. or were you always this way? No, never this way. Wasn't great. Yeah. Cause I see every time I think of you, I just think of you as like this, like, very vulnerable, very open, honest dude. It's gotten better. Um, How are you? The, what the fuck? How are you before? I mean, I, I would say I was more not not standard dude anyway, but like for sure, just artist, nerdy, creative guy that wants to do weird shit, but also the jock side. Mm. And so like having that side and the confidence that came with it, like I'm still cocky and still arrogant and plenty of fucking ego and narcissistic. I mean. The narcissism thing's a really strange one because, I mean, I am filming myself doing rehab in a garage. Like, there's a weird bit of Well, the motivation's different, though. Because, like, when you're an athlete, you kind of have to be narcissistic. You have to really envision and believe that you're the fucking shit. It's what gives you the competitive edge. You know? Right. Yeah. But then to share it, I didn't see it as narcissistic. I just saw it as you have something that is helping you, and you're like, well, who else can it help? I'm putting it out there. Sure. Sure. But I mean, the narcissism point of like, uh, uh, you know, whether that was starting a podcast or doing any of these other things, it was like, you know, my conversations are pretty great. I should share those and maybe make money from it. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird <laughs> thing. And like, and like, at least I'll just sit and be aware of like that that switch is in there and like fucking keep an eye on it. <laughs> That's uh, true. But yeah, it, it was it was tough, man. It was tough figuring those things out and finding that empathy and like what a difference that made. And not just empathy, but then gratitude. And like gratitude for maybe not for the injury, but you know, I got 10 years of my athletic career that I got to just pour gasoline on this fire and my body did nothing but fucking respond for 10 years. Let's go. Get bigger, get stronger, get faster, throw further, win. Don't and be I jealous, did. Bart. <laughs> like you said about your two good knees. He had that. And then I didn't. <laughs> right? And uh, yeah. man, the way that, again, it was never going to be long term. I mean, that's a dope perspective. It's never going to be long term. Yeah. And I don't know when it was going to end, but it did. Um, and so- Man, just just having that gratitude that like, yo, I got to travel around the world for 10 years and do a sport that I love. Like I'm born at the right time, right place to get to do that. You know, not only that, like I got to travel and do it with my brother. Like he competed as a professional in the that's Highland. Like, who gets to do share that? Yeah, and that's like, rare. At that point too, like I'm bummed because the sport's gone. So I also don't have the 10 guys that I've traveled around the world with anymore. And I see those dudes every weekend. And the cool part with the Highland Games is like, there's no Highland Games gyms. There's no community. Mm. It's just us when we see each other on the weekends. Everyone trains by themselves. And so then that's gone. And so like these other lunatics that get it aren't in my life anymore. Yeah. 
And it's not a fault of theirs. Like, we know that's how it goes. I mean, what are they going to fucking do? Follow me around and ask how my knee is all the time? Like, they have shit to do. They're training too. And uh, then that shift. And so my brother, you know, I don't see him every weekend anymore. So there was just a lot of changes that a lot fell. Of loss, dude. Yeah. It and feels so like loss. Even, even getting back with my brother on it and being able to say like, yo, our relationship's changed and it's, and it's a bummer to me, but that's okay. Like, I can't believe I got to travel with you and share all that time. Like family members don't do that. Yeah. And so having the gratitude for like what a cool chapter that was, despite that it's over. So let's worry about the next chapter being as rad too, not focused on that one. It's done. That's so rad. That's the thing I've noticed. Um, we've had several guests already on this podcast and they've all, they're all killers in their field, you know, like they've dominated whatever it is that they set out to accomplish. Um, and everyone has this championship, this champion mindset of like the glass is half empty, but it's also half full. Um, and it's all perspective. And I see that time and time and time again, like that winner mindset of like, yeah, okay, yeah, shit is fucked up. Okay, how did I contribute to this shit that's fucked up? Okay, what changes can I make to make it less fucked up? Yeah. I, I, I see that time and time and time again. And, and that's why I'm like so grateful that you're here being as vulnerable and sharing this story because um, we all go through so many fucking obstacles and life tests us. And like, it's really your response to it. You know, some people cave in and they're like, no, I don't want to. And unfortunately, they don't get to live the life that, or the universe that you say that you like, you create your own universe. You I know? believe it, man. Yeah. And you're a true example of someone that's like, yeah, um, yeah, I'm not laying down. Uh, well, I'm going to be dead at some point. Like that's coming. I know it. Yeah. And but some people however are okay many with weeks, that. It's like 1200 weeks at this point is what I have. Left. I've seen your fucking marbles, man. And every time you throw a marble away, it makes me a little bit anxious. Yeah. I don't like it. Cause, <laughs> because like the other side of that too, I don't much believe in an afterlife. Uh, and so really, not really. Damn, I can see now why Rogan has like four-hour podcasts. I feel like I can keep diving right. deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, and so, like, whether I spent that past week, like, obligated to do shit because I'm supposed to and I'm following the status quo and I went to these job meetings and I did this stuff and I'm not fulfilled, but I'm doing the right thing, right? White picket fence, the two weeks vacation, the whole whatever that safety thing is we're convinced of. Or... I can spend my life completely chasing the things I love and figuring it out and being completely responsible that if it doesn't work, it's my fucking fault. Both paths still end with me in the ground. There's not a risk to, to trying. Right? Do you say you don't believe in the afterlife to say that like you're just fucking gunning it the entire way here because it's just one shot, one that's life? It. That's it. Fuck. That's it. Uh, it now- if I'm going to make a stretch on how I'd feel about the afterlife, uh, I believe in kind of the idea of the conservation of energy. Energy is not created or destroyed. Yeah. I think this is a really interesting point in my energy's existence that I have a physical form. But this may be the only chapter that I get a physical form. So after that, you're just going to become part of the earth and no clue. become dirt or whatever. No clue whatsoever. Damn. I mean, do I think it's fluffy clouds in heaven? I don't. Do I think it's hell? I don't. Fuck. Have you seen his marble thing that he does? No. So he has a jug yeah. of, uh, oh, how yeah. many marbles is it? Is it the 1612? 60 yeah. So he has a jug of these marbles that represent every day of his life until- yeah, Every week. A, a, every week of his life. 
And then at the end of the week, he gets one, he walks it over to the trash can and throws it away. So it's like a visualization of like how much time, wow. perceived time he has left. And so like, let, let's say I, I make it to 62, right? And I'm healthy. You are gonna make donors. it to 62. I, I, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but I'm also aware that if I get in the car today to drive somewhere in town, oh. like that's not a 0% success rate. That, yeah. That's a realistic way I look at it. It's very unlikely, but it isn't a zero. And you know, if, if my time gets punched today, you know, my time for the last eight years hasn't been spent not doing the things I want to do. You, I look at you and Bonnie's Instagram and I just look at how you guys live life. And it's so fucking beautiful. You guys have such a beautiful relationship. Um, you guys like compliment each other, not like literally compliment each other, but like. Nice, you look great. <laughs> but like your lifestyles compliment each other. You guys are, are very independent people, but very united still. Um, you travel the fucking world. You hang out with friends. Like you just saw our friend, uh, Steffi Cohen fight yeah. in fucking Dubai. That was super fun. Initially was supposed to be in Florida. They last minute changed it and you're like, yep, I'm going there. Well, I was already in Africa, so it made sense. <laughs> but still, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the fact that you've curated your life to support whatever fucking wild decision that you want is absolutely fascinating and so fucking inspirational. Well, I mean, but you guys have done the same. Like, I mean, you know, to throw the compliment back, Bonnie and I both feel that way about being around well, you don't guys. Don't throw as it a back, dude, because we're talking about you. Fine. <laughs> and we're couch livers. Couch we livers. Are, man. We're so, <laughs> no, we were just talking about this yesterday. Because you guys are, like, you guys live like you're going to die tomorrow, mm -hmm. which is cool. And it's even cooler that you have this cool visual res representation representation of how much time you have left. So I think you have this weekly reminder of how much time you have left where most people, I think they understand that their time is limited, but if you're not reminded of things, you, you're you gonna live like you have infinite time, infinite money, infinite everything, you know? And I just think it's so cool that you actually, for the last, I don't know how long I've known you, every single month, it looks like you're living as if that's conscious on your mind. Yep. It is. I, I wish that anxiety would go away sometimes <laughs> and like I'd be able to lay on the couch a little bit better, but it doesn't work so good. Um, I, I like it. I like the way that it makes me feel like, I mean, how many stories do you hear about those people that like, you know, find out they have some terminal thing and then they just step on the gas pedal of life because there isn't a risk anymore. Mm. We're like, yo, you're fucking terminal now. Yeah. Right. Why, why don't you do that now? Right. Like, I am. Right. And yeah. Like, yeah. that's, yeah. that's how I feel about it. Like, yo, I'm terminal. Damn. Uh, what advice would you give to someone? And then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Cause I feel like we can talk for fucking ever. I fucking love this episode. Um, what advice would you give to someone that's a little bit more risk adverse? <sighs> yeah. Like someone, and I'm sure you probably get this in the comments and DMS all the time. Someone that's a little bit more risk adverse, which I think all of us have been there, right? Like Hell you, yeah. You had a nine to five, you yeah. had the cushy job, the white picket fence that, you know, like you had the dream, American dream job. Like what advice would you give someone um, that is in that state of mind, but sees how you grab life by the horns and wanna go in that direction? Like what can they do or what what's a different perspective that they can have to accelerate that transformation? One, I, I think is just complete honesty about it. And one of those things about the complete honesty about it is understand that if you'd like to do this thing and build your own life and create your own thing, which is your own income, your own everything, you're never not at work anymore. Just go ahead and fucking deal with that. But I don't look at that as a weird thing because 
success for me and like what I would like to accomplish was going to be hard work either way, whether that was supporting someone else's business and working my ass off for it to get what I wanted, or I can invest in me. I'd rather take the shot at investing in me. And for that risk adverse person, like, man, if you've got it, if you've got what it takes to figure out this hustle and entrepreneur life, it's not a risk to take a shot at it. You're hireable. Like if you can kind of make this work for any stretch of time, you're so valuable to someone else who can figure it out. They'll fucking hire you. Yeah. Because people in our spots need so much help because you have we were just to, talking about that. <laughs> right. Because I still only have 24 hours. And so the only thing I can do with time is in time, such an interesting commodity because I can't buy any more of it, but I can buy yours and I can sell mine. And so I have to multiply by buying time from other people to do the work that I can't do in a single day. So now we can do three times the work and man, good helps. Great. You have to have it and people that buy in and do all that. So like, man, if you've got what it takes to figure your thing out, run with it and find out like fuck going into the ground, wondering what if Yeah, you know, I'd way that. rather fail. I'd so much rather fail. Like the big failures I've had, uh, like bike shop or, you know, any of these other type of things. Like you used, to, you, used to, you used to own a bike shop. Yep. That yeah. was the first, first shot at trying to work for me was, uh, was opened a bicycle shop and it fucking failed miserably. Um, but man, I learned a lot. Opened a brick and mortar. I understand what didn't work and, and have applied that going forward. And I think the more that you can kind of, um, non-emotionally look at stuff and just look at like, did this work? Did this not work? What's the data? Make an intelligent decision and treat that risk that way instead of expecting it to go in any way you think it's going to go. Yeah. And just have the intention of like, what's figure out the next step. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I fucking love it. I love everything you're doing. I love everything you stand for. Um, I know you personally, we know you personally, and you're the fucking truth, man. And I fucking, I love you for it. We love you for it. it. That's why we call you a brother. That's why we call you family. So grateful that you gave us this time. Dude, I'm happy. So I'm limited. so pumped to be here. <laughs> yes. But that, I love that's it. the beauty of it, right? Because I own that. Yo, I'm never where I don't want to be. I'm not obligated to be here. Yeah. So if I'm not obligated, be present. And that's like, I deal with that with my mom because like family gatherings and shit like that, I don't want to go to. And so what I have explained to her is like, so I'll never come to a thing I don't want to come to. I'll just tell you no. But if I'm there, you don't You're ever there. have to question it. And so like, I'll, I'll give you both, you get both sides of that coin is that if I'm here and I'm with you, know that there isn't anywhere else I want to be. And I don't feel obligated to hang out with you because you're my mom. I love it. I want to hang out with you because I love you. And you're someone that I believe is great to have in my life. I love it. I fucking That's love awesome. it. I love it. Keep doing you. Don't change. I love everything you are. Like, I can already see it. Anything you are going to ever fucking put your hand in, it's going to be ba fucking badass. Thank you. I love it. Um, and you, I'll close it out. I know I said I was going to close it out. Uh, you also have a mentorship. Yeah. So if anyone listening right now really connects and vibes with this, dude, hit up Matt Vincent. He'll steer, he'll help you steer whatever it is you're trying to steer to. Um, thank you so much, Matt. Yeah. I Fucking appreciate love it, you, dude. You guys are the so best. So proud of you. So inspired by you. So motivated by you. Nothing but love, man. Same.
Same. Tons for both of you guys, man. You're not allowed to say that on our podcast, bro. <laughs> Thank it's you. about you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Anything you want to say? Nope. Just... Every time. God dang it. All right. Thank you so much for watching. Love you guys as well. And we'll see you next week.